podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On today's show, we have a woman who's, well, the way she said to introduce her, is a long list of things. I'm going to read them all because these are all true and valid things that she does. She is a cellist, a studio musician, a private instructor, uh, a bandbox promoter, original music junkie, a local music supporter, a co-host of the Amplified Artist Sessions music uh, series, live music series. Uh, her name is Thea Voresa. Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, she is another female uh, concert series promoter and uh, musician in the area. And as soon as I started doing live music events in the area, I did not know Thea, but I, you know, people told me immediately I needed to get to know her <laughs> uh, because we were two uh, young women in the industry in Wisconsin doing similar things, not the same things, but similar, and that we needed to know about each other. So I'm just so grateful to have her here today because she's been really uh, helpful to me, and um, I want to make sure that people know who she is for sure. So thanks for being here. So well, thanks, and yeah. likewise, because it's always great to bounce ideas off of you sure. and collaborate. So yeah, absolutely, and, and collaboration is the right word. Um, we can, you know, it's been super cross beneficial having having each other in our in our worlds and our in our circles. Um, so I'd love to get to know more of your own backstory today. Uh, I don't even know if I know a lot about this. Uh, so go ahead and, and tell us, uh, how did you first get involved in music and how did you first get started as a musician? Uh, well, how far back would you like me to go? Well, the day you were born, let's talk about that. <laughs> well, I've always just been drawn to music. Um, in fourth grade, when everybody goes down to the gym to see all of the orchestral instruments, um, I was drawn to the cello right away. Um, good friend was making weird noises on it, and I thought it was fun, and I liked, I liked the cello. Of course, I went home, and my mom said, and of my parents who really have no musical background, and um, said, well, you need to improve your spelling grades <laughs> before you can play cello, because she didn't think I was going to keep up with it. Well, you know, that little determination in me, I asked again the next year, and I've been playing since fifth grade, and uh, classically trained, but... Um, really enjoy, you know, now doing a variety of things. My background is in music therapy. So that's kind of how I got my start um, in the professional world. And it's kind of grown since then. And now I'm doing what I love. Great. So what do you think it was about the cello that drew you to it? I think it's just the tone. There's something about the cello and everybody always says that to me. Oh, it's the most beautiful string instrument. I don't know what it was, but it's just the, the tone drew me to it. And um it's always just kind of been, um, you know, a great way for me to be able to express myself. Fair enough. Were there other instruments that you ever dabbled with along the way? Yes. Um, in music therapy, we are required to take all of those that the, you know, educators, uh, music educators are taking. So you take six weeks of trumpet and trombone and all the, all the things. Um, <laughs> but in music therapy, I did need to be proficient with functional piano and guitar. Um, so. 
uh, guitar came a lot easier to me being another string instrument. So I do still play some guitar stuff. Um, piano is a little bit more of a challenge, although we do have a piano now. That's right? right. Yes. Yes. Um, so trying, trying to learn and dabble in other things, too. Great. And what led you to the music therapy route? Well, um, I went to college knowing that I wanted to do something in music, and I went to my first music education class, and um, the teacher treated us all like we were kindergartners in a kindergarten music class, and I was immediately turned off. <laughs> That's not my style. Um, so I just quickly looked into other options of what, what other things are there out there, and music therapy just really kind of called to me. Um, Again, I like collaborating with people. I like working towards goals. Um, so that really fit that fit well. That's awesome. Where did you study music? Um, I went to um, UW-Eau Claire. Uh, the program is no longer there now, um, but I had a really great professor um, and he just learned a lot about, um, you know, music therapy and the career and um, kind of just found my way. Nice. And how did you go from that, uh, from music therapy to doing all the things that you're doing now, which is much more <laughs> industry related? Well, that would be my husband's fault. Um, I met my husband, Steve, in college, and um, it was right before college, actually, that I went uh, to the second Lilith Fair at nice. Alpine Valley um, with a bunch of friends from high school. That's how old I am. <laughs> and um, we saw Lilith Fair and Sarah McLaughlin, who was like my hero, um, one of my favorite artists, uh, had a cellist on stage. I, like it totally blew my mind. I'm like, I want to do that. But I had no idea how to get there. How I mean, I was used to being classically trained, reading music on a page. And how do you even, um, how do you do something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so met my husband in college, he was in a band, they wanted some cello for, um, their recording that they were doing. So I kind of got sucked into that and using those skills that I learned with music therapy, functional guitar, and, you know, thinking about theory. And I was able to kind of apply that and, um, kind of make that work. So it was definitely a jump, but it's just something that you practice and, you you know, use your ear. And, um, so that's kind of how. That's kind of how I got my start off into bands. And then, um, you know, Steve is very passionate about playing and he's played all of his life too, um, drummer. So we've, we've been in different projects, both together and separate projects for as long as forever and ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was the first project that you did? Um, well, so the project in um, college was called KIPP. Um, Steve named it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. That's funny. Yeah, what does it mean? I I don't know. He just <laughs> liked the name. It was one of those. We could have so many discussions on band names. It's pretty funny. Um, so that was the first project, and then when we um moved to Florida, uh, we were in a band called Awami, and that's really where I kind of fell in love with the recording process and writing different parts and how to really fit cello into um a piece of music. Um. So that was a really fun challenge for me. Nice. And then how did you go from doing all of the performance on cello with different bands? And, I, and, and she's amazing. I, I love hearing Thea play with all these different bands uh, on cello. I love hearing classical instruments in that genre in, in, um, 
and just, you know, indie and, and other types of bands is, is a great uh, way to use those instruments. But how do you, how did you get interested then in the administrative part sort of, or the, the industry part? Yeah, good question. Um, I think I was just always excited to play live. And so it was interesting for me to get to know who does the booking and um, how do you go about that process? And so I wanted to play more. And so I just kind of figured it out, you know, starting sending emails. Who do I talk to at venues? Um, and that just kind of became my thing. I really enjoyed the challenge mm -hmm. of, um, you know, the networking and getting to know more people. And I was excited about music. So they were excited about music. It's really easy to kind of talk to other people that way. So um I'm just a planner and an organizer, so it comes kind of naturally, too. So just to be drawn sure. to something that uh, I get excited about is easy to do. Right. What was the first concert that you ever planned? Can you remember? Oh, um, meaning like that my band played in or that just without? Maybe that a different band played Good question. Maybe when you started your first series event, yeah, that's a better way. Yeah, I think, I think really the first concert series was the Amplified Artist Sessions. Um, you know, I had done a lot of booking for all of my different projects at that point, but, um, or setting up, you know, different, um, you know, lineups and things like that. But this was the first time when I really had the chance to just put together a series. Um, mm -hmm. So Amplified Artist Sessions is a, um, well, it used to be a monthly live um, event where singer-songwriters um, from the Midwest um, kind of can get their foot in the door and um, share their music with a live audience. And now we've kind of switched gears to doing a video series. So we're still looking for ways to promote, you know, local musicians and original artists. That's kind of my passion um, is all original music, um, mm -hmm. whether it's bands or singer-songwriters, solo things. So, Right. And that, that's a very important point to make is that the, is, the bands that you're involved with are all original music bands and the series... Um, uh, amplified artists um, that's all original music uh, and your podcast the, that you host as well that's all original music so a big original music promoter uh, in the area so awesome and how did you uh, how did that come together you work you you have a co uh, a colleague that you work with on amplified artists as well how did that all come about <laughs> um, kind of just everybody being in the right place at the right time I had known um, Allie from just the music world um, there was a series at Saloon on Calhoun at one point that was kind of um, disbanding, and so I just happened to hear about it. Allie happened to hear about it, um, and Allie is a great host. Like, she just has this magic behind the microphone where she can just make people feel natural and can, you know, is very witty, can come up with things on the spot, which is something um, I struggle with. I can do it. I can host. I usually say every name incorrectly 10 times before I get it right. Um, so it just kind of happened great where I had this connection through the podcast of knowing some of these original artists and people that wanted to get out and play and share their music. Um, and so it was kind of the perfect match that way. She was able to be the host and the live, um, you know, the, the face of, of the um, 
of the series and I can do all the back end work. Mm-hmm. That's usually what I get excited about the most. Nice. And why and when did you start your podcast? Well, um, that was the, the brainchild of Steve. Um, he had wanted to just kind of share his thoughts on music and, you know, something that at that time we both had full-time day jobs and music was a passion of ours. And so, you know, um, he wanted to just kind of share some of his friends' music or things that he liked. And then he kind of brought up, hey, why don't we do this together? And so it, it became this um, really fun way for us to sit down and talk about music and something that drew us together from when we first met. Um, but, you know, once you have full-time jobs and you have careers and you have kids and you have all the things, it was really hard to um, not always get to do that together because we don't always play in groups together. Mm-hmm. That's only kind of been recently that we've been able to play again together. Um, so it was just a time for us to sit down and, um, you know, share our thoughts on things that we, that we both liked. So nice. Yeah. Um, and the podcast is called music review roulette. Yes. How can people find out about that? Um, well, we're on all the, you know, online streaming, yeah. all, all the places, just look up music review roulette. Um, since COVID kind of started, we've um, kind of put a halt on it just because, you know, life happens and other things become important. And especially during that time, we've been going through a lot of um, just changes with with life things and online school and all those things that come along. Yeah. So um, we we aren't doing it at the moment, but we do hope to get back to that at some point. For sure. So as far as the industry goes, it sounds as though you learned a lot of your business skills just out of a need when you were starting in bands. And then just along the way, you picked up, found that you really enjoyed some of those, those skills. Um, uh, are there any other resources you've turned to along the way that you picked up um, that you can recommend that people look into for learning industry skills? That is a good question. Um, Usually when people kind of ask me, how, how do I go about getting started? I usually tell them networking is the number one most important. Get to know people, like-minded people, get to know uh, musicians, ask all the questions, get to know venue owners, get to know festivals, you know, just get yourself out there and educate yourself. You have to kind of find your avenue of what works best for you or your band or you know, what you want to do, but it's really all about networking um, and making those connections. Well said. <laughs> I would agree. Um, so what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced along the way in the years that you've been doing this? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I've learned a lot of things the hard way, um, especially with booking and where bands should play and not every band that you are in should play in every festival or every venue or, um, you know, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the big challenge for me is when I decided to leave the, um, corporate world and I wanted to dive more into music. Um, I mean, again, I really love the music booking and doing that piece and, as a woman trying to get my foot in the door anywhere was quite a challenge. Um, there's just not a lot of us out there, um, but I'm pretty persistent. Um, um, yeah, so I just kept plugging away, kept plugging away. Um, I was very fortunate to 
learn about ACA Music and Entertainment. Um, Matt Anton, who um, bought the business in January of 2019, I believe. Um, he also has, you know, a strong passion for promoting local musicians. And um, in an article that I read, he had mentioned something about original music and how he had some original music artists that he wanted to help promote. Um, and that caught my eye. And so I just started having, again, conversations and, hey, I'd love to be a part of this. If, you know, this is, you know, where direction that you're going. And so just kind of then started working part time. And um, I've been with them now for quite a long time. So um, it, that has been a great eye opening experience to learn more about the industry and um, genres of music and meet people and learn about even more of that back end and contracts and all of that legal stuff um, that I didn't have a lot of experience with. So that has been really invaluable to just to learn the industry. Yeah. And as a female in the music industry, what, what made it difficult uh, about you know, getting in there? Um, well, you know, I don't like to be, you know, typecast or, you know, stereotypical, but I feel like um, a lot of people didn't, take me seriously. Um, it's also kind of a similar vein as far as being a musician on stage. Uh, there's not a lot of women out there doing it in comparison to the number of men that are performers, right? Um, I always feel like on stage, sometimes people will think that, um, you know, that I'm the gimmick mm -hmm. or I'm, you know, the, but I take it very seriously and I like to perform and I'm um, I feel like I am a good performer. And so I'm not trying to be fake. I'm not trying to do any of those things. So again, I'm persistent. Um, it's all about selling yourself and being confident in yourself. And I think sometimes that is a place where um, women um, do kind of um, take the more hesitant route or um, like, I feel like we just need to get out there and promote ourselves and be confident and do what we want because we're just as capable as men. Agreed. In all, Agreed. Of, in all of the things. Agreed. And I liked hearing um, in what you just were saying that, that you were the one to reach out to Matt at ACA. You saw the article and you took the lead for yourself. And, and I was the, the one that asked my husband on our first date. <laughs> There you go. We need more people like that to get <laughs> women out there in the industry. Yeah, because that's what it takes. And really, even in our own uh, concerts and events and um, in our own uh, Wisconsin Music Venture kind of booking and, and um, concerts, we, we get asked by a lot of musicians to get involved. But I would say probably 95% of them are men who do the reaching out to us. Um, and we're, all, we're always looking for our own musicians, um, you know, on our own. But it just seems like the ones who are approaching us are always men. Does, do you get that at all? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that's true, too. I mean, I have a lot of musicians reaching out to me for Amplified Artist Sessions and, you know, other booking opportunities or just asking questions. And um, most of them, I guess, that take initiative are, are men. Um, I personally like to reach out to women. I always try to make right. sure every time we're doing a taping with Amplified Artist Sessions or if I'm putting together a series, that um, somehow a female performer is involved because it's, I think it's really important to um, promote those that are doing it well. And there's a lot out, yes, out in the Midwest that are doing it very, very well. Um, so 
that's kind of always my my back mission, <laughs> you know, uh, one of those things that I, I try to always sneak in there. Um, Got to make sure we promote the, the ladies. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, but ladies, I think um, you're listening. I would say if, if there's anything you can gather from this, uh, be more assertive. It's okay. You might come off as, uh, I, don't, you know, I don't even think you'd come off the wrong way at this point. And, and don't be worried about that because it's what we need to get out there more. Um, it, it don't, don't feel like that's going to be a slight to you at all. Uh, we, we need more of that to be taken seriously. Um, what are some of the, the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? Um, just in music in general. Yeah. Um, um, I guess, well, I guess overall, I, th- I think some things that are important to me is, especially if you're recording or you're playing music, um, being mindful of adding to the song. Um, you don't have to play all the time. Or I, t- I tell some of my bands, they get kind of annoyed with me, but I'm like, don't have to have cello on every single song and every verse and every chorus of everything ever. Like you need to have <laughs> some space and, and let the music decide what it needs. You know, um, you can force things, but it doesn't always sound right. right. So, um, that's something that I've learned over time. Um, uh, I've also kind of finally found what works for sound. String instruments are really, really hard to, um, especially if you're on a big stage, be amplified. So just figuring out what works so that I can hear and that I can play. Um, I think I mentioned it before too, but um, really learning um, who, your, who your fans are, what your venue should be, and how to promote yourself is something that I think everybody is working towards, but you have to just kind of look at all those pieces and parts and continue developing it. You can't just, you know, put a website out there and think that, okay, I've done what I need to do. You have to constantly be promoting yourself. So I, I try to always tell artists that too. It's hard myself. I don't want to get sucked into social media, but you do have to promote yourself and you have to be a broken record. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, persistence will pay off it will um people who are doing that regularly are that's are they're going to be the ones who get noticed mm-hmm. sure yeah i agree um what would what advice would you give to those looking to be working musicians right now that's a hard one <laughs> Especially in the right middle now, of a right? pandemic Ooh. um you know what I would say if you love it and it gives you meaning and purpose and passion in your life, you will find ways to make it work. Um, that was this huge, scary jump for me. Um, I had to have two other like part-time jobs on the side just in case it didn't all work mm-hmm. out. And then, of course, you know, COVID hit and then there were no gigs to play. And um, there are creative ways to, to find, you know, I, I do a lot of teaching. I've gotten back into that, which I really um, enjoy. So that is something if you're going to do music full time, that's a great way to, um, you know, to supplement. Absolutely. Um, finding my way into the recording studio has been really, really fun, but that's also a way that you can make a little bit of um, extra money here and there. Um, but, you know, you'll, you'll find your way. Mm-hmm. You definitely, you definitely will. 
So that's not really great advice, but <laughs> can't, you know, I think everybody's so different and their, their situation is different and their styles are different and, um, you know, what they want to do uh, is different. So it's hard to give mm-hmm. solid advice for that. How about from a booking perspective? Any particular advice? Yes. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, take social media seriously to the point that it's helpful for you um, in promoting. Um, so you do need to spend some time on it. Um, you know, make sure you're posting more than just once a week. Like, you need to engage your fans. That's how you build your fans. Um, when you are promoting a show, please make sure that you are also promoting the venue um, or the other, you know, cross-promoting. Because I right. think sometimes musicians get kind of those blinders on where they're like, well, you know, they want me to play this show. So um, that's kind of where it ends, where really, no, it's they're promoting you. You need to promote them. It kind of goes both ways. That's a really good point. Um you know, the, I've had a lot of conversations about that with uh, venues and musicians, and they don't always seem to be on the same page about who's there for who. Uh, the artists think they're there for the artists. The venues think they're there sometimes for the venue. Uh, neither always thinks they're there for each other, and they need to really be in alignment on that. Um, sometimes they do. Sometimes they're aware of each other, but um, not always. And if you want to get back, ask back to that place, definitely. <laughs> Give some shout outs to the venue, to the promoter, to everyone who's involved, right? Right. I think it's also important, you know, that communication. That's something that I always ask or I make it very clear. Here's all the details. Here's what's expected um, to make it really clear. But so you can start off a relationship in an email, but make sure if you're playing that venue, you go talk to that owner or that booker or that person or the manager that's handing you that check at the end of the night and ask the questions and follow up and, um, you know, be responsive. That's, it's really, it's really important in building those connections. There are some musicians I'm aware of. You might even know who I'm thinking of if, if you've worked with them there that, uh, you know, they make it their job to walk into a venue and know the names of all the staff members who are working there that night because they understand the value of being at that venue. And that's, um, that was just something, something that popped into my head as we're talking about this. There are some people who, who are really great with uh, acknowledging the venue, knowing how supportive the venue is and how much they need that venue for their relationship to, and for their music to grow. So they, they'll constantly be you know, acknowledging the, the bartenders that night by name Right. Uh, making sure to, you know, people tip the bartenders or whatever else, have, you know, whoever else is involved that night, um, they make sure to, to know everyone's name who's involved. And, um, you know, just Absolutely. those little things can really make a big difference. Um, do you have a, a favorite venue that you've performed at, favorite mm. event? Well, recently, I, I have a lot of favorite venues. I mean, um. I mean, Summerfest is like the <laughs> ultimate, and I've gotten to play for quite a few years. So it was very sad that I didn't get to um, play Summerfest this last right. year, but hopefully they'll, they'll get back to it. But um, recently I got to play at The Bend in West Bend. Right. 
oh my gosh, it's a beautiful theater. It um, at one time was a vaudeville theater, and so it's completely redone. Um, it was a movie theater for a while, and now it's back to a venue. And um, their whole philosophy is that they want it to be a music venue, and they want to have original music. And so um, it, they do a wonderful job um, keeping people safe, you know, 350-plus venue and um, only 85 tickets, so it's, it was less than 25% or whatever that math comes out to be you know, enforcing wearing masks. Um, So finding ways to creatively have musicians play and have people come out and enjoy music and do it in a safe way. So I was really impressed with how they handled that part of it, but also just having um, this beautiful stage and getting to play on it. It was was pretty magical after not getting to play Mm -hmm. much at all this year. So um, they're doing a great job. Great. Yeah, I've, I've seen your post about that place. I'm very curious about it. It looks great. Yeah, good good call. Um, are there any favorite um, concerts that, that you have booked that you really um, enjoyed the experience? <laughs> well, when we used to do the, the monthly Amplified Artist Sessions, sure. like I really enjoy that because, you know, it's, it's putting together the, um, the, the list of artists and the band that would play and then um, getting to promote it and then actually getting to see it happen. So when I got to Amplified Art Sessions, I just got to sit back and enjoy and like it was my own little personal concert that I got to put together. So mm-hmm. um, that was always really, really fun for me. And you have done a little bit, I mean, as it was warm enough to do some outdoor events. Um, how did you kind of make that happen since COVID? Um, well, we did a couple things with Music Review Roulette live, we call it, a couple of outdoor um, things. But I did get to connect with um, Peter Thomas and my husband Steve and I kind of worked together for the Music Connects. Um, So I got to do a lot of the kind of back-end stuff like that. Um, That was, I know, I think you've um, had Peter on one of your um, Yeah, we worked with him a couple. Yeah. So I got to be a part of that, which was wonderful. So very socially distanced. We called it the driveway concert. It wasn't huge, but, you know, sometimes we would have up to 50 to 100 people, but everybody was very respectful, spaced out, Mm -hmm. wearing masks. Um, It was all donation-based, and it was really, really amazing to see um, how generous people were. You know, it wasn't going to a venue where you had to pay money up front for a ticket. That always seems a little hard, but once people were there and they were enjoying the music, they were very, very generous. And so there was a lot of different um, artists that got to play. And um, I know all appreciated very much, um, you know, some of those dollars when gigs were far and few between. So mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and then I asked you to submit um, one of the, the pieces of music from one of the groups. You work with so many groups, it's hard, it's hard to pick a, a piece <laughs> from one of them. Um, so you uh, you picked a song from well actually I picked a song from, <laughs> she gave me a couple of choices um, I've heard Thea play a lot with the Bellwether I haven't really heard her before with the band Sacred that she plays with as well um, I love the Bellwether people definitely need to check out what they do I really enjoy that band I am not as familiar with Sacred so I wanted to to listen to them a little bit so can you tell me about the song that you sent her away from Sacred. Sure. Um, The song is Maker, and it is off of the new album that we put out in 2020. 
not really a smart choice to put out a record during the middle of a pandemic when you can't play and go on tour. But um, it was a really fun experience in the studio, and we've had fun just um, putting it out online. And um, so the song, yeah, the song is Maker, and um, it does have some fun cello parts that I think are, are featured. Um, playing with Sacred, which is a rock band, uh, has been a really fun challenge for me because it's not something you would typically hear strings on. And so um, playing electric cello and getting to play rock music is fun. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. And how do you actually, um, how does that, uh, from, I'm, I'm more classically trained myself, how, does, how do you as a classically trained musician uh, do you write out the part for yourself or is it by memory or how are you uh, reading the music or something like that? Um, I usually just ask for the chord progression. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of that functional um, music skills. Um, I ask for the chord progression so I kind of can get that, you know, roadmap of what the song looks like. And then um, cello is interesting because it can either follow kind of the bass line um, or it can be more of like, an electric guitar and do more mm-hmm. solo stuff. Um, so I kind of try to do a mix of whatever is right for the song. So mm-hmm. good, yeah. It's it but, always seems to fit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I'm not. A, I don't write out all the notes. Sometimes I'll write shorthand, like little notes here, there, whatever. I've got my own little notation that nobody else would ever be able to follow. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But just little reminders to myself. Or I make a lot of phone recordings like, okay, I come up with this part and then I'll record it so that I just have it and I don't forget. So when I come back to it in a couple months or whatever, you know, um, I don't forget a part. Yeah. Because usually I I try to play um, from memory when you're on stage because to me, um, getting to have that connection with the other musicians on stage is really what draws me to playing live. And so if I've got my face in music, right, it's really hard to do that. So Good point. Um, being engaged during the live performance is always my favorite part. So Yeah. Do, you, do your parts then sometimes change? Like, you know, is it the same exact part every time or are you kind of improvising a little bit. I'm not an improviser. I know there are some musicians out there that can do that and I give them all kudos because that's something that's always been really hard for me. Um, Yes, if I know the structure of a song, I can kind of change some things up or you kind of go with the flow if things get extended or, you know, we're going to vamp on this chord for a while. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff is all all fine once once I Mm -hmm. I feel like I know the song. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it always sounds so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Love it. So thanks for sharing that with us. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss on today's podcast? Any other um, topics or subjects that uh, we didn't cover today that are important to you? Well, I think we've covered most of the, the, um, the big ones. You're good at your questions. I see your list over there. <laughs> thanks. Well, um, if anything comes up, uh, of course, let me know and we can, we can throw some other added things in here but um how can we find you how can we find out more information about what you do (laughs) um you're gonna laugh because i did listen to your first podcast (laughs) and um you did say that it's important to have a website and yes it is important to have the website i do not have one up yet but i'm working on it oh good right it's always the thing that follows like at the bottom of the list and of course my husband being a graphic designer and a web developer like you would think that that would be number one but 
no, you know, we always put ourselves last, right? Um, Especially if you're in the business of promoting other people. Yeah. You're so concerned about what they're doing. I, I get it. <laughs> yes, but I need to follow my own advice. So um, working on a website, but for now you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, all that stuff. Um, yeah. I'm out there. And uh, what is this? Hello Cello. Yeah. Hello Cello. Yep. Yeah. Hello Cello MKE. Okay, great. Sounds good. We'll look for you for sure. And uh, just as a quick note, uh, Wisconsin Music Ventures is the uh, overarching organization that uh, supports this podcast. And we are patron supported. So the featured patrons for today are Bruce and Holly Burnt of Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. So thank you for your support, patrons. And I think with that, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today.
The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.